Hey guys, welcome back to my podcast. This is Journeys with Jen. I'm Jennifer Griego. Today, I'm going to do a podcast about my sheep hunting journey and my speeches. I have mentioned a couple times about my sheep hunting journey and everything that has gone into that. The fact that I was the second youngest girl to accomplish the Grand Slam and the first person with CF to do that. Today, I was going to play the audio clip for the Undefined trailer. This trailer is a great video that the Young Wild team has put together. They were on each of my sheep hunts with me and have documented every one of them. They are great people and they have a great show and I love them all so much. And it was awesome, Jen, that they came along. So Lincoln yeah. Tap and his dad, Jim, and Cooper Ross, they were with us at the beginning at the Wild Sheep uh, Foundation meeting in 2017, right? 2017? Mm-hmm. Yep. That uh, when you listened to the Wounded Warrior Kirsty's um, speech and became motivated and sort of looked at your own mortality and those guys were there for that night and they were there for the whole journey and they documented it and we look forward to seeing that on Vimeo. Originally they were going to do it on Outdoor Channel. I think it's going to be on Vimeo. But Cooper Ross, tremendous photographer, uh, videographer, and great guy. We had so much fun with them. Yeah, they're so much fun. Great people. So this trailer shows the beginning of my journey and sort of kind of the end of it. It's just the trailer, so it's not the whole thing. And then I'm also going to play the audio for my Wild Sheep Foundation speech in 2018 and also 2019. So right now, this is the uh, undefined video trailer. Hey guys, I'm Lincoln Tap with Young Wild. We first introduced you to my friend Jennifer Grego last year. What began as a goal that Jennifer set to prove something to herself turned into a journey that inspires all of us. Jennifer's story reminds us that our personal challenges don't define who we are. What defines who we are is how we face those challenges. We're so excited to bring you along on a journey that we're calling Undefined. When Jennifer was born, as soon as they handed her to me, I was worried that something wasn't quite right. Eventually, I asked the nurse practitioner to just run a few tests. And sure enough, Jennifer had to go be flown to the children's hospital and she had surgery and finally the neonatologist mentioned it and I just put my head down and cried. It was very, very difficult caring for a baby that I know would ultimately die of the disease that she's born with and I couldn't get that out of my head. She has bad cystic fibrosis, there's no doubt about it. It's sad that she is having to fight as hard as she does, but at the same time, it gives us a different perspective on how we approach life with our kids. Don't think about that you have an end that you have to fight against. You need to enjoy every day because no one's promised tomorrow. God's in control of it. You know, we're not going to mope around about things we can't control. We're going to enjoy every minute we have and get the most out of it. I first learned that Jennifer wanted to pursue this goal when she brought up her vulnerabilities at the Sheep Show in 2017. It was an emotional discussion for my wife and Jennifer and myself. I said, Jennifer, honey, why are you crying? And I said, well, I realized that I'm not going to live long enough to do some of the things that I want to do in my life. And he said, well, you want to go sheep hunting? I was like, well, I can't go sheep hunting. Like, that's impossible. He's like, you can do whatever you put your mind to. She just kind of got this little grin, and I was just smiling. And Carol said, what? what's so funny? I said, that little girl has no idea what she just got herself into.
In the first hike, she was really struggling. And I was like, man, this is gonna be really tough for her. And for a 15-year-old, 100-pound girl with 50% lung function, who's never camped a day in her life, she has to take 40 pills a day, do three treatments a day, I realized this could be a real challenge. Once you tell someone your goals and once you get it out there, there's pressure to do it. It was like, oh my God, I'm gonna do this. Like, it's actually happening. My experience as a hunter, taking all four North American wild sheep was the most difficult thing that I had ever done. We were quite concerned that there may be some situations that could be precarious, if not life-threatening for her. But she initiated this and she wanted to prove something. all have something that we think we can't do but we've never tried but your body can do so much more than you push it to it's just your mind that stops you I went from a 54% lung function to 71 and my lung function hasn't been that high like ever my doctor was there and I was like <laughs> I said I beat the game I've learned so many things about Jennifer through this journey with her maturation as a person and how she has blossomed knowing what she's capable of doing but I also learned how much of a badass my daughter is because she just brings it. The physical part of it, the overcoming challenges, she's found a gear I didn't know she had. I've talked to a lot of sheep hunters through this whole journey. All of them say it changes you, and it really, truly does. <laughs> you can do anything you put your mind to, no matter how hard you try. Can you believe I did this? Right here. <laughs> One day, every one of us will take our last breath. But until then, we're undefined. Jennifer's amazing journey started in this very room on a night just like tonight. What we're doing as a wild sheep family matters. Events like this matter. Tonight matters. We're not only keeping sheep on the mountain, but we're also changing individual lives. And that's something we can all be proud of. So in case you've never met a 17-year-old girl with cystic fibrosis who's harvested all four North American wild sheep, it's my great honor to introduce my friend, Jennifer Griego. So that was Hey awesome. guys, I'm Lincoln Tap with- Sorry Lincoln, quit talking. <laughs> <laughs> that was the that's the trailer and that is the specific video they played before my speech at wild sheep that i did this year in february of 2019 so it's um it's different <clears throat> for people to listen to the audio without seeing the the images it's sort of like uh the old days of radio 
um, without television, but uh, not that I'm old enough to remember that. No, no, not at all. <laughs> I'm not, not as old as I look or as tall as I should be, whatever that is. But uh, um, but it, so it'll be exciting when the Young Wild production of Undefined gets out where people can watch it. But this podcast should give people a chance to hear your story from that. And I think a lot of it does come through with the audio from what we just played and um and then we'll play your your speeches but mm-hmm. what what are your thoughts about that about watching it and um having been through it it's it's amazing to see how it all came together and the way cooper put everything together is amazing and it's so just the way everything comes together is so motivating i think to me and just has a great effect on even me and everyone who watches it and it's crazy to think that I've come this far from just even two years ago from where I was and I can't believe that I've come this far and it's amazing to see to see it in a video and the fact that it's all documented just makes it even more memorable and amazing and to be able to listen to my perspective on before I went on the sheep hunts and then after and even like in between it's just amazing just to remember my thought process before everything happened. You know it's one of those things that I'm sure a lot of people who listen to your podcast don't spend a lot of time in the outdoors and aren't into hunting, even though we were using outdoors as the platform or the subcategory on Podbeam for the podcast. But there are so many things that come out of the experiences in the outdoors, and you definitely have proven that to yourself and to a lot of people that knew you and our family and um, have watched you mature. It's, uh, mm-hmm. There's so many benefits from pushing yourself, and w- there's no greater venue than yeah. the and great even outdoors. If, even if you're not hunting in it. Exactly right. A lot of people don't hunt, and they still go in the outdoors. And it's just it's a different experience going out there. And for me, hunting, especially sheep, gave me that goal to go out there. and gave me that goal to train. and gave me the reason to hike those mountains. But even in training and being out there, they're some of my favorite places, things that I would never see if I never hunted. And some people just go outside and see the outdoors because that's what they love to do. And that's amazing as well. But hunting gives me the reason to go out there. And it gives me different respect because we observe the animals in a different way. And I think that gives me a different respect for the animals, the nature, and just God's creation in general. It's also amazing. And the perspective you get when you're hunting in that environment is so amazing. And we mentioned in the, the video that You'd never been camping before. I mean, we've done a lot of things in the outdoors, but, you know, we'd always go back to a cabin or go back to a trailer, you know. And I don't actually, I don't think at that point you'd even been camping in a trailer because you always had the needs for the electricity and stuff for your health with the CF and your pump for your G tube and the vibratory vest for your lungs and that kind of stuff. But it, it's out of your comfort zone to get outside. Yeah. And I think a lot of people in today's culture don't get out there can't really relate to the experience but when you're subjecting yourself to the weather the altitude the uncertainty of your footing the dangers of the cliffs all the stuff that come along with that it's just um it's a tremendous way for self-discovery as well as challenging yeah, yourself for sure it's a totally different environment than even just i feel like even just hiking when you're hiking you're just kind of like focus on the hike but when you're hunting you're focused on the animals and you have that goal and you're like I'm and I feel like when you're hiking you're like all right I'm gonna go 10 miles we're gonna call it a day but when you're hunting you're like my goal is to get this animal if I have to hike that mountain five times I'm gonna do it if I have to go all the way around this mountain I'm gonna do it and 
your your goal changes, your perspective changes, and you're not going out there for a mileage. You're going out there for an animal, an animal that you adore, that you love, that is beautiful, and you just want to prove to yourself that you can work hard to achieve that goal of getting that animal and just the respect we have for these animals that we hunt is amazing and I respect them so much especially going out there and hunting them and seeing how they live their life and what they do is just gives you a whole other respect for them whether you're hiking and just observing them when you're actually your goal is to harvest that animal your respect is so immense for that animal that's true and for people that don't hunt it's kind of hard for them to identify with that but you know it's to me people that if you're vegan and you don't hunt okay I can respect that viewpoint if you are anti-hunting but you eat meat to me there's no comparison with a life of an animal that gets a chance to live wild and free and then be taken by a hunter in a split second with a well-placed bullet or arrow and have a dignified demise and then serve as a food source which is when we just had buffalo burgers for dinner Mm -hmm. and elk burgers and we routinely eat wild game and way healthier for you especially with your nutritional issues with cystic fibrosis as opposed to a pig or a cow that is raised in a pen in its own feces with thousand other animals in a stockyard getting fattened up for the butcher block i know which one i'd like to live i think most people that are anti-hunting would rather live free and um the other alternative for animals that are not taken by hunters they everybody dies we all die yeah, like they die of starvation they get eaten by animals yeah. and predators are not the most humane people um most humane way to die i should say if you're a wolf or a bear a lot of times you're eating the animal before it's completely dead or you're crushing it and you guys can watch videos on you know whatever wildlife channel and see how brutal the world is but we have a lot of respect for the animals and we love to consume them and Free-range, organic, non-GMO, no antibiotics. If you guys are listening to this and you're looking for healthy meat, there's no better protein than what God put on the planet is animals that uh, we consume. So hopefully uh, people can understand that. The other thing I want to bring up is when you were talking about the training, you know, we, uh, I had a global rescue plan for you. I had it for a couple years before that just because I want to make sure there's an option to get out. And certainly that was a, a comfort for me to think that if there was ever a problem with you, we could get you out of there and yeah. uh, get you back to a, a hospital or a clinic or someplace to get treatment. And um, yeah, at some point, nice, we'll do a podcast with those guys because yeah, that's a tremendous thing to have available. As a and life it's so nice to be policy. able to have that, especially with mom back at home and you and me on the mountain and mom always being nervous and making sure I was okay to have that, like to be able to, like lean back on the fact that global rescue is there and if we need them if we were ever were to need them we could get the, get a hold of them and get them to come help us in the mountain if we ever needed it and I know that's helped mom for sure get through the fact that she wasn't there with me and the fact that I was in the middle of nowhere with no CF care and having them be an option definitely helped for sure and meeting them at sheep show this year was also a really good experience meeting the people who worked the their booth was awesome and meeting them was um it's just great to talk about, talk to them and what they're for, what they're about and what they do. Absolutely. Okay, you want to introduce? Let's um, let's mm-hmm. show your speech or show. Or let's play your mm-hmm. the audio from your speech from last year. So this is 2018. This is after you. I had three fourths of my slam or my finales. Um, this was about exactly a year after I um, heard 
Kirsty's speech, and I started my journey. So this was, I had three of my four sheep, and I was going for my fourth one six months after this speech. This was a year ago. And how was this, by the way? It was so interesting to watch you, because... I was so nervous. (laughs) You were very nervous. This was one of your first speeches in front of, this is essentially 2,000 people. Yeah. And um, I remember sitting there... We had dinner before. You were like third or fourth up before the mm-hmm. the attendees at the banquet. And you were just kind of looking off into a daze. Oh, I was... See, like, I didn't have notes. Like, I had written everything written down and bullet pointed, but I wasn't going to have them up there with me because I didn't want to get distracted. So I just kind of would go over in my head the certain bullet points that I had to bring up. And so I was sitting there staring off into the middle of nowhere, maybe drinking my Shirley Temple a little bit, you know, and wasn't and getting eating. all hopped up. Oh, yeah. I wasn't eating anything at all. I was so nervous. And all of you were just like helping me, you know, helping me get through it. But I was I was crazy nervous. And but once I got up there, I was still nervous. But I don't know. I guess because it's my story, I have it's easier for me to talk about it because it's not like I'm giving a presentation on a bunch of facts. It's my story. It's my life. I've lived it. So I'm just kind of like just telling a story. I don't know. But I was very, very nervous going into it. And in the middle of it, I was, like, while I was giving the speech, I was still nervous, but I don't know. I came off, and you guys were all making fun of me, like, Jen, you weren't nervous at all. You were totally fine up there. I'm like, I was, like, freaking nervous, guys. <laughs> you do great, and it's kind of funny. You know, your mom and I have said this. I don't know if we've said it to you directly, but this podcast for you is a venue for you to grow in your communication skills with people one-on-one, which mm-hmm. has been something you weren't the best at. I mean, you were yeah. a little kid. People would come over to the house, and they would talk to you and um, you kind of didn't really want to hear about their compassion or their concern for your health. You just wanted to be a little kid. So it was sort of different. You do, you, you knock the ball out of the park with your speeches in front of a lot of people. Uh, your interpersonal listening and talking is, I think a lot of, like a lot of people in your generation, you're better okay. on Instagram or with emojis or whatever stuff. Yeah. Um, and But you're growing through that, too. You're getting better with this. So I'm going to go ahead and play this. By the way, so there will be a little bit of a break here when I play the introduction. Then when they go to play the the audio from the Young Wild production at that point, which was not as up-to-date as what we already played, I'll hit pause, and then we'll play your speech. So here we go. I have stood here in front of you on this very stage speaking about the fastest emerging segment of our population. I have preached to you about the evolution of the role women are playing in wildlife hunting, wildlife management, and more importantly, wildlife conservation. Our industry has embraced this movement and continues to celebrate women in the outdoors. Tomorrow evening, Wild Sheep Foundation will present the Artemis Award that recognizes an outstanding woman leader and mountain hunter who has made significant contributions to WSF, its chapters, affiliates, benefiting wild sheep and other mountain game conservation. But tonight, I want to introduce you to a young girl who at 16 is the most inspirational young young woman you will have the pleasure to meet. She is the cover of the Wild Sheep Winter Issue magazine and recently was kicked out of the Less Than One Club. Her story will not only touch your heart, but it will give meaning and a voice 
to why we must continue to fight and promote our right to hunt. Please join me in welcoming Jennifer Griego to the stage, and I'd like to give her a special presentation. Jennifer, on behalf of the Wild Sheep Foundation, the Board of Directors, our membership, we are so proud of you and we wanted to present you with the cover of this winter issue. Um, Kelly did a great job with the introduction. And if you remember, before you went up there, I'm going to fast forward this to where uh, you start your your speech. But if you remember, before you went up there, there was the the um, president or director of um, um, gosh, I'm forgetting the name of the organization, uh, U.S. Fish and Wildlife or something like that, mm -hmm. that was talking about how the Trump administration mm -hmm. was opening up areas for hunting and really concerned about animal welfare and all the things that were changing in the government, and nobody listened to him. No. He was, he was speaking in sort of a monotone, and I felt bad for the guy because what he was saying was sort of monumental for what was going to happen that would be beneficial for us as sportsmen, and no one listened to a word that he said. And so when Kelly introduced you, it wasn't in that clip, but she kind of got people to stop talking. There was so much noise in the room. You can kind of hear it a little bit. Everyone's, I thought, oh everyone's my eating dinner. You can hear silverware and everything <coughs> clanking. And yeah, it was pretty loud. I thought my little girl was going to get thrown to the sharks and the wolves right here and get shredded because no one's going to hear you speak. And um, Kelly gave the introduction, then they showed the video, and um, then you gave your speech. And that's where we are now. So I'll try to play this. Thank you so much. Here's your so speech. So I'm Jennifer Griego, I'm 16 years old. I was diagnosed with cystic fibrosis when I was eight days old. I had an obstruction in my intestines, which caused me to have surgery, and that's what led to my diagnosis. Cystic fibrosis is primarily a lung disease, but it also affects other organs in my body. This disease causes me to produce more mucus, so in my lungs it makes it harder for me to breathe and it damages my lungs. In the other organs in my body, it can lead to obstructions and I have to take medications to make up for what my body can't produce because of the mucus. The mucus in my lungs also makes it very easy for my, for my lungs to grow bacteria. A year and a half ago, I was growing a mycobacteria in my lungs, which was causing my lung function to drop. My doctors decided to hit it hard with IV antibiotics to have the best chance of killing it. I had to have six months of IV antibiotics through a surgically implanted chest tube. I had to change my regimen a couple times throughout the six months because I was having some, um, side effects from the medications. One of the side effects was nausea. I was nauseous for the entire six months I was on my IVs. I lost 10 pounds in two weeks and I was throwing up every day, multiple times a day for a month. This time last year I would, had just finished my IVs and I was just starting to feel better and gain my weight back. A couple weeks before that, I looked up the average lifespan of a cystic fibrosis person, and it was 37 years old. Growing up with this disease, I always knew my life was being shortened. But when I had that solid number in my head, it scared me like it would anybody else. I kind of shoved that to the back of my mind, and I tried not to think about it. Hearing Kirstie Ennis' speech last year at the Sheep Show is when it really hit me that I wasn't going to be able to live long enough to do some things that I want to do in my life. 
That realization just made me so emotional and I started to cry. My dad and my mom, later that night, we were talking about it and that's when I decided to go for my four North American sheep. I chose sheep hunting because for my entire life I told myself I would never be able to do it. I saw my parents train for their hunts and I saw what it took to go on these hunts. And I also knew there was no electricity for me to do my treatments. That was just the reason I told myself I would never be able to do it. But I decided that I was going to go for it anyway. I began training with my lung function at 54%. I started hiking the mountains around my house in Phoenix. They were just the small mountains, but even that was immensely challenging. I was constantly coughing and I couldn't catch my breath. I was coughing to the point where I would almost throw up. A couple months into training, I got out of school and my dad and I went to go hike the mountains up north where we have a cabin. I was hiking in higher elevations. I was also dry firing my gun and practicing at around 400 yards. By the time I was ready to go on my hunt, I could hike prolonged hikes at 11,000 feet elevation with minimal coughing. And my lung function was at 63%. It was very important that my body was in shape, but it was also important that I had everything on the mountain I could need for my treatment. My daily regimen is taking 30 to 40 pills a day. I do eight nebulized treatments a day, two to three vibrating treatments a day, and I'm fed through tube feeding at night while I sleep. Pretty much all of my treatments require electricity, so going on the mountain without electricity was a struggle. I had to talk to my doctors, and we determined that my lungs were in good enough condition for me to go on the mountain, and we figured out what I could do in place of my treatments. And it seemed like all of a sudden I was in Northwest Territories going on my doll hunt. The process from leaving base camp, going to spike camp, was very scary because I, so I look like I'm moving in pretty much everywhere I go because I have like two to three suitcases of medications that I need. So I had this giant suitcase that I had to convert into one duffel bag to go on the mountain. And trying to think of everything I can need on the mountain was just a scary thought. And I was also leaving my vest machine, which I had never gone a day without in my life until that point. The thought of going on that mountain without everything I'd had, such close anything I needed, and access to my doctors was just scary. And everything until that moment felt surreal. Everything until the point where I held my doll sheep in my hands was just such a surreal experience. And when I was holding my doll sheep is when it really hit me that CF doesn't d define who I am anymore. For 15 years, I let it control what I thought I could and couldn't do. But ever since that July, I've gotten out on those mountains and I've got a Rocky Mountain Bighorn in North Dakota and a desert sheep in New Mexico. Ever, ever since I've climbed those mountains and held the sheep in my hands, it really rang true to me that CF doesn't define who I am. I mean, I, I can really wrap my head around the fact that exactly a year ago, I was sitting with Mr. Sino crying because I thought I would never be able to do this. And it's a year later and I have three of my four sheep and I'm going back in July with Raven's Throat Outfitters to try and finish my four sheep. I never thought I'd be able to say that. And there are so many people who have helped me get to this point. Gray and Kelly Thornton who have been so supportive and generous through this. Jim Lincoln-Tap and Cooper Ross with Young Wild who have been on each of my hunts with me. Eddie Corona with Outdoor Experience for All who's been supportive. 
Brad Renfrey and the Arizona Desert Bighorn Sheep Society, and the Wounded Warriors who pretty much inspired me to do this. My, my, most of all, my parents, because I would not be here without them. My dad, who was side by side with me on those mountains through the bad times and through the great times. My mom, who was sitting at home waiting for the call, hopefully not a bad one, and helped me get all my medications I could need packed and ready for the mountain. And my brothers, who have been there challenging me, running up the mountains, I had to chase after them. I, I have been so in awe of the people who have reached out to me and supported me throughout this experience. And I learned so much about myself, and I just saw this amazing support from everybody because I could never have done this alone. And I'm so, so thankful for everyone who's helped me out. Great job. Again, I mean, by the way, so we'll have the links to these um, <clears throat> speeches because they're on YouTube in the show notes so people can look at them because you do not have a, a face for radio. <laughs> no. And in my obviously unbiased opinion, since you're my daughter, I think you're beautiful, but um, you definitely, it's better to be able to see those in person, especially the video that shows um, the undefined part of it. But, um, mm -hmm. yeah. so. so. I it's so weird listening back to it. I know you're so much older now. Oh, yeah. Not, not just that. You I know, took the ACT weird. today. You're so much more experienced. Oh, yeah. Oh, Lord. It is, it is kind of neat to listen to that. And, you know, too bad. I, I, if I knew where you were going to go with this, I would have brought out the video camera and videotaped you when you were talking about your vulnerability um, after oh. Kirsty's speech in 2017. But uh, awesome. So, yeah. so what else do you want to add to that? Um, it was so funny after you gave your speech you came and sat down and started devouring your meal all I wanted was steak I didn't eat anything <laughs> I was so hungry because I like sat there. everyone had already eaten their whole dinner we had like this nice nice steak and I was like all I want to do is freaking eat right now and then I sat down and everyone's coming up to me congratulating me and everyone was so sweet like, it was so nice but I also really really wanted to eat my steak I don't think I got to eat I think I ate like half of it you know one of the people that came up to you <clears throat> that night was Bob DeGrazia, if you remember. Oh, yeah. And um, why don't you tell about that a little bit? So um, Bob DeGrazia, he had just been diagnosed with ALS. And he came up to me, and I could tell it was starting to set in because I couldn't really understand anything he was saying. And you could tell he had been crying. So the combination of that, I couldn't really understand. But he had told me that I had inspired him, and he was just inspired by my, by my speech and everything. And I couldn't really understand the rest of what he was saying. However, in December of 2018, he, or no, yeah, it was 2018. Yeah, last year, last yeah. December. Yeah, he sent me and my dad an email that he had just com completed his Grand Slam. And so I had inspired him to get his fourth sheep. So he, he, he needed one more yeah. sheep. And for people that don't, that don't hunt, this may sound like a weird thing to collect the animals. But the thing about sheep hunting is the terrains the geography, the different parts of North America that you go to pursue these animals uh, are all unique. And the big challenge, obviously, what you've grown through, Jennifer, with this is mm -hmm. they're difficult. The mountains yeah. are difficult. They beat you up. They wipe you out. The weather, the stuff you can't control. They hurt your knees. Oh, they, yeah, I need a knee replacement after um, 
the last time that I did a doll sheep hunt, and I wasn't going to hunt sheep again until you decided to do this, and you forced me into it. I call, I call it peer pressure. Okay. But um, um, so the mountains are just physically brutal, mm-hmm. and apparently Dr. DeGrazia is a dentist. Um, he had had not hunted sheep for a while. He had one more to try to finish his uh, fourth, four North American wild sheep or Grand Slam. Those two terms are basically synonymous, but there are some legal implications with using them interchangeably. But um, he came up to you and was saying you inspired him, and he decided to try to get his desert sheep. Mm-hmm. And, and, he um, and he did. So he sent us an email amazing. with a picture of him and Adam Bronson and uh, Lance Kronberger, who I'm actually going to Alaska to hunt with in June. They helped him. A lot of people helped him on that. And yeah. he had significant progression. Horrible, yeah. horrible disease. Lou Gehrig's disease, ALS. Horrible disease. Like and um, in February, he could. He was in um, like a wheelchair, the motorized one. He couldn't walk. He couldn't talk at all. He did write me a note thanking me for expiring him, and that was amazing. Um, I didn't get to talk to him, obviously, but he, like, he inspires me, even though I did inspire him. Like, my disease inhibits me, yes, for sure, but I was born with it, and I grew up with it, and he just got diagnosed, and it just set in so quickly, and I think that's very inspiring for him to be able to finish a slam within those conditions. I think that's amazing, and I'm very, very proud that he was able to do it. I'm glad that I inspired him to do it. Yeah, he was very kind and um, very grateful that he kind of, you know, your speech that we just listened to motivated him to go out and, and to finish his pursuit. And he was uh, talking to Adam uh, Bronson. It was miraculous that he had the opportunity to be successful because he was so difficult with his mobility and things like that, that he was able to harvest a great ram and really fulfill a lifetime dream for him. And again, I keep bringing this up because I know a lot of our audience is not into hunting. People can understand, cannot understand a lot of times what that means. It's not like you walk up, to an animal in a pen and shoot it. There are a lot of, these are wary creatures, and to be able to sneak up and get a chance at at taking one of them is often humbling. For, I know for us, a lot of times it's, it's emotional to 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 watch the demise of an animal, but we glorify it Especially because of the respect we have for them. them. We yeah. respect them so much, and our goal is to take them cleanly and not put them in any pain and to harvest the... Um, older ones that have lived a full life and have been able to spread on their genes and live obviously a full life in the wild and our goal is not to shoot the smallest one or the youngest ones to shoot the the oldest one and the ones that are more wary the ones that we have to work harder to get because they live maybe higher up in the mountains or they're just they're just more wary they get spooked easier they're a lot more work and just in the end it's so much more fulfilling to be able to get that animal Especially when you train for six months to be able to go on that one hunt. Right. And I don't want to get into it too much. At some point, we'll have to have a discussion, a podcast about trophy hunting. Yeah. But to me, the the term trophy hunting, first of all, if you kill an animal and cut the head off, that's not trophy hunting. That's poaching. Mm-hmm. Um, and no one likes poachers. Even hunters, we all hate poachers. No. In fact, uh, the reason why in Africa there are a lot of big game animals still is because there's people that go there and hunt them. And they employ the people that would be poaching them just for, you know, killing the babies and children for food or for utilization of body parts to get shipped off to China. Um, wherever there's sport hunting, animals have value. Sort of like diamonds and um, taking them out of the ground. If people didn't respect what a diamond was and the value of it, 
people wouldn't really give a crap about them and they would just mow them over or excavate them and throw the dirt away since they have value people respect them and that's sort of how it is with with animals so i digress with that but um yeah we'll get into that we'll, do we'll get into that but that. but a... but the trophy hunting thing is when when you talk about going after the oldest animals they're the wisest they've been around the longest they've survived the longest a lot of times at the end of their life we i have a doll sheep in the other room that was 13 and a half years old had two teeth left in its head had its tail was chewed off by a wolf it was starving to death and that's the one that i took that i was able to shoot and i was grateful and proud to be able to um harvest that animal and we consumed it it was delicious but um and it would not have survived the winter it, it would have died that one the biologist thought it wouldn't have made it through the summer because it had two teeth literally left in its head and they were both decayed and falling out so, so when people say trophy hunting is evil well which one would you rather have somebody shoot the young one that's healthy in the private's life or the one that's old and is is dying of natural causes and you get to harvest that one and celebrate it and consume it so a little bit of off on a tangent there but that's <laughs> a point for debate later on anyway yeah we'll so, get into so, that later <laughs> so here's your speech this one yeah this is a speech um from february of 2019 this year in reno um yeah that's it, we, we played go. the video earlier that we led into this This is Gray Thornton, who's introducing me. Ladies and gentlemen, a very hearty and warm Wild Sheep Foundation welcome to Miss Jennifer Griego, FANAZ Achiever. By the way, FANAZ stands for Four North American Wild Sheep. so much. My name is Jennifer Griego. I am 17 years old and I have harvested all four North American sheep. <laughs> and I say that because that is something I thought I would never be able to say. See, two years ago, on this very night, in this very room, I was inspired by one of my friends from Windy Warrior Outdoors to begin my quest. I was born with a lung disease called cystic fibrosis. It's a life-threatening disease with no cure. And when I began my quest, I was recovering from a really bad lung infection. I had lost 20 pounds. I was nauseated for six months. And my lung function was 52%. But the day I got my first ram was one of the best days of my life. It was almost as if God had taken away my CF for a day. But that night, reality kicked in, and I had some of the worst abdominal pain of my life. I was hours from any medical care, and my dad and I were really worried that something bad might happen. But thanks to my mom and the medication she packed for me, by the next morning it had resolved. But that night, my dad and I realized the dangers of my quest. And my second ram was in North Dakota, in about 20 degrees, with a wind chill. I was laying in the snow for almost an hour, waiting for a shot at an amazing ram. I did end up getting that ram that night, but I couldn't sleep from the constant coughing because I was laying in the snow and breathing in the frigid air. I had to do multiple emergency nebulizers just so I could be able to catch my breath. And my quest for my fourth ram was something I thought would be one of the biggest challenges of my life. So we flew to 
Northwest Territories to meet with Raven's Throat Outfitters to try and find a nice dark fanon to finish my finales. We saw many beautiful rams, but when we saw the nice dark fanon, we knew that was my ram. We got as close as we could, about 500 yards, and I laid on the mountain waiting for my shot. He fed tortoise, and when he finally stopped, I took my shot, and when I saw him drop, I broke down, and I just started crying in awe of what had just happened. I had just completed my finales. I had to walk across huge boulders to get to him, but I did not want to take my eye off that white speck in the distance. I crested over this hill, and he was right there. I dropped to my knees, held my ram in my hands, and just cried and thanked God for what had just happened. I held my ram in my hands, looking at the sheep that had just completed my finales. That day, we packed up and headed back to camp, which was about a six-mile hike in the rain through wet boulders up and over a mountain. About the last 50 yards to camp, me and my friend Lincoln Tap raced each other to the tents. I beat him by a couple seconds. Probably because he had a hurt knee. <laughs> <laughs> it was amazing to me that two years before that, I was sick in bed, and I did, couldn't even really think of going on a camping trip. And then I was running and sprinting after a six-mile hike back to camp. So many things have gone into this journey, and I am so blessed to have had everything that's happened. And <clears throat> my lung function started out at 52%. But thanks to the CF Foundation and all of the research and money donated, I've been on new medications and new types of treatments that have helped me tremendously. My lung function is now 77%, the highest it's been in about 10 years. I am so immensely thankful for everyone who has helped me throughout my journey, for my friends who have done everything they can to support me, my amazing family who's been there with me through the thick and the thin, and my parents, my mom who's always there to help pack my meds and every step of the way, every doctor's appointment, and my dad who's on every mountain with me, training behind my, in my ear for every shot. But most of all, I thank the Lord. The Lord has blessed me greatly with everything. <laughs> and, <laughs> God gave me a lung disease. It's a blessing in disguise because it's taught me so many things. It used to hold me back and I thought it set my limits for me, but I learned through this journey that it doesn't. And I let it hold me back for about 15 years, but when I finally pushed back, I accomplished something I once thought was impossible. I've learned that CF doesn't set my limits for me. And I've learned that if you have something that holds you back, all you have to do is push back harder. And my friend Pastor Grogan has taught me that what you have does not make you who you are. It's what you do with what you have that makes you who you are. But this isn't about me. This is about everyone who has supported me throughout this. Two years ago, I was inspired. And last year after my speech, Dr. Bob DeGrazia came up to me and he told me he had just been diagnosed with ALS. But my speech inspired him to go and complete his finales. He emailed me a couple weeks ago with a picture of his amazing ram and telling me that I had inspired him to finish it. And I'm so grateful that I was able to do that and reach out to someone. This event has allowed me to be inspired and me to inspire other people, and I'm very, very grateful for that. See, God has blessed me with an amazing life, even though I have a disease that holds me back. I don't let it anymore. And I just want to say, God bless my family, and God bless everyone who has supported me, and God bless you guys, my wild sheep family.
Great job, hon. And you do, without notes, <laughs> you just stand <laughs> up there and just do it off the cuff. It's pretty impressive because um, if, you, if you ever listen to Jerry Seinfeld, you know, public speaking is the number one fear of most people. Yeah. So he said, and his analogy was that uh, at a funeral, since the number two fear is death, you'd rather be in the coffin than giving the eulogy, uh, <laughs> talking in front of people. But um, awesome job. Thank you. Great job. Yeah, it's crazy just to look look back at it. And I'm glad that it. I did give those speeches, and I'm glad that that video was made, the undefined trailer, because now it's something that I can share with other people. And I can just, if I inspire just even a few people, it. That's I, that's just what I love about it because I did this for me and I ended up inspiring people and I just think that to get the message out there that what you have does not define you and if you feel like it holds you back and just to push back harder because I know that growing up with CF I always let it hold me back and let it set my limits for me but I had never tried to push back against them until until that July of 2017 and then I did and I was like oh my gosh I can push back through this I don't have to let it define me and there's so much more I can do than what I just think I can do and what I and especially with CF there's so many new medications that have helped people not just me lung functions get better and life expectancy get higher that we don't have the same limits as we used to do as we used to have CF people don't and so I think it's amazing to be able to push back through the limits and to be able to say that I'm the first person with CF to have a grand slam and to inspire Dr. Bob Grazia to finish his slam with ALS. And just, I feel like it's amazing and it's an amazing feeling to be able to complete something you thought you would never be able to do and to inspire someone else to do the same. Very good. Um, proud of you. Thank and you. Uh, this is your, what, your fifth published yeah. podcast doing well we have a lot of great people to talk to you mentioned yes. Pat Scroggins we're going to do one with him Ron Raboud we're going to do with him the founder of Wood Warrior Outdoors a lot of great people that have been so supportive of you and have motivated you and and one of the things that I learned through your quest was how awesome how generous how um, motivational and appreciative people are in the hunting world I mean oh, there's so many so many amazing people especially even walking around the convention floor at the foundation and meeting people and going up to booths and seeing people. It's just the generosity and everyone there is so amazing. And it's something you don't see anywhere else. The hunting community is an amazing community. And I feel like we get a lot of crap about what we do. But we're an amazing community. And I, some of the most down-to-earth people are hunters. Well, I think it boils down to self-reliance, setting goals, working hard towards them. Uh, in general, especially for sheep hunting, you have to have worked hard enough to accrue money to be able to travel and do those sort of hunts and so you have people that have been self-reliant and achieved and we live in the best country in the world yeah. so the, there's all sorts of opportunities that's why people are pounding down whatever barriers there are at the border to get here and those of us that are citizens of this country need to realize how lucky we are and how beneficial it is to live here and and suck the juice out of every minute because life is short and well so am i and i'm just <laughs> trying to get the best out of every day and i hope that you guys do too Thank you for coming on the, on this journey with me and just listening to my story. Uh, I hope you all have a great journey and you make it an epic one. Awesome. I hate goodbyes. <laughs> okay. All right, babe. Great job. All right. Thank you.